everyone, welcome back to the G2V Podcast. I am Arnold T. Blumberg, and my co-host is... Scott Woodard. And this time around, we got a special topic. We're interested in delving into retro television, among some other things we want to do over the course of this podcast. Look back at some of the stuff that we remember well from pop culture, TV, movies. And for our first retro TV segment, we pick something special that anybody that grew up at a certain time is sure to remember... And as we'll go through this, we'll probably also hear a few things that you'll remember very well, too. And that's a little something called the ABC Sunday Night Movie. So we're going to talk a little bit about that, where that all came from, what our memories of it are, and why it still looms so large in the memory of all of us that grew up watching feature films, sometimes making their debut for us, at least on television anyway, and uh, sometimes actually seeing it for the very first time on television if we didn't catch it in the movie theater. Yeah, it was uh, certainly way before DVDs and special features. Uh, for some of us, that was the only way that you could see something beyond your normal run-of-the-mill movie that you had seen at the theater. And uh, But certainly growing up, ABC Sunday Night Movie was sort of an event, a place to be, a destination, as they sometimes say. And uh, I was always excited about it. Oftentimes, of course, you would listen to that intro, and if it wasn't necessarily a movie you wanted to see, you maybe would tune over or flop over to the <laughs> wonderful world of Disney, which I think was, didn't that used to start at seven? I think you're right. Yes. And so it was, if you were involved in a wonderful world of Disney movie, you typically wouldn't go over to ABC Sunday night movie. And so the less it was something really special. Um, but at least it would give you an option if it's, if the Sunday night movie started at eight, but we'll get into that. You mentioned a few things right there off the bat that are so important, which is that this is pre DVD. It's pre online. And, Probably one of the most memorable things and most special things to all those of us who grew up with it is that the ABC Sunday night movie, and often by surprise because you didn't necessarily know 100% what you were getting, the ABC Sunday night movie would often run these big event genre and blockbuster films with a whole bunch of extra footage, extended cuts. Some of them even debuted on the ABC Sunday night movie as two-night, two-part events. And uh, many of those ABC extended cuts to this day have never been released in any form. Some of that footage has turned up on some of the DVDs and Blu-rays and other releases, but some of it never actually has and still is um, out there in the ether somewhere and only ever aired on the network. So you got amazing special viewings of movies with extended material that now for those of us that are used to things like the Lord of the Rings extended editions and DVDs coming out with extended cuts, it's an embarrassment of riches compared to what we were getting then when it was uh, it was a special gift to see the ABC Sunday Night Movie version of a film and uh, probably just some of my favorite memories of seeing the extended versions of movies like Superman uh, and uh, Superman 2 particularly, but first two Superman movies particularly, for all the extra stuff that was in them. Yeah, and I like what you said about you sometimes wouldn't even know. And so I remember watching Star Trek II The Wrath of Khan, and 
just having these scenes come out of the blue, like that, you know, long scene with, uh, Scotty. Oh, right. Uh, talking about, uh, um, his nephew. Uh, his nephew, right. Yeah. And, uh, which you, I, obviously I did not see on the big screen, but when it suddenly showed up on TV, you had to sort of check reality for a minute. Is, <laughs> is this, is this really happening? Did I just see something I've never seen before? And I, I remember talking about those scenes the next day in school. Yeah. And, and how exciting that was. Oh yeah. And, and for me, I vividly remember, and it was like all these years later now, we have, uh, like I said, embarrassment of riches. We have so much stuff now with DVD and with like the Donner cut of Superman 2. Practically everything that is a fan you ever grew up hearing about or reading about and piecing together in pictures from like famous monsters or Starlog or something. We've got a lot of that now, but I still remember being blown away by the ABC version of Superman that incorporated, for instance, the entire battle to get to Lex's door that was never in the theatrical version, the machine guns and the ice tunnel and all that stuff (laughs) that now you can see. But at the time, that was only on the ABC premiere showing, and I think maybe a repeat or two, but they didn't even repeat their extended cuts. They usually used those as their premiere events. So that was amazing. To see all that, mm-hmm. you saw the entire Kirk Allen scene in the Superman. Oh, that's right. Shown on ABC, and but I think they, if I remember correctly, I think they teased that they were going to have that extended cut. I remember, or at least I have a vague memory of of some kind of a build up towards that, mm-hmm. where it said featuring never before seen, right? You know that kind of announcement, and that really got me hyped up for it. And I don't think I had caught any promotions for star trek and that which you know threw me for a loop right but i think i was prepared when it came to superman well and the other thing too is the superman was one of the ones that was shown as two parts oh that's so true. they would have been running promos as you know this is the big deal and it was the premier two-part version of that in 1982 so yeah they probably would have been promoting that and just you know things you've never seen before but if they were showing in a single night maybe they weren't quite as uh up front about, oh, if they're throwing in extra stuff. So the, the two-part events in particular were really amazing because you're getting – it It was not only, like you said, a destination, an event, but it was like you're getting you're, – you're immersing yourself in that movie that, in a way that we don't get anymore either. Right, but of course, <laughs> there is one notorious two-part event. Yes. <laughs> um, and I'll preface this by saying – uh, one of the things about the ABC Sunday night movies that was hugely important for me growing up was that they had the James Bond library. And so for me, with the exceptions of the, with the exception of the films that were current at the time that my grandparents would actually take me to go see the James Bond movies, um, I was only seeing the older James Bond movies as part of the ABC Sunday night movie. So for me, it's funny because when I think back on those late nights, you know, lying in my bed in my bedroom with my little black and white TV <laughs> watching James Bond, that was that was my thing. And then, of course, the as I said earlier, one of the most notorious two-part ABC Sunday night movie events that they aired was On Her Majesty's Secret Service, mm-hmm. um, which uh, – when did that that one air – well, there was a I, – I don't have in front of me what the date was, but I do know that the the controversial re-edit that you're talking about mm-hmm. actually aired on a Monday. They did it as an ABC Monday night movie. Oh, okay. And, I didn't realize yeah, that. Yeah, and that that was naturally – well, you, you go ahead and tell the story, but uh, yeah. 
Well, yeah, and actually having, having revisited some of it just recently, um, so, I mean, we, I guess we can talk about it because obviously it's an extension of the Sunday night movie, but, um, oh, yeah. they, they, this was in the seventies. I know this for a fact. I think it was 76 or 77, as late as that. And uh, of course the film came out in 69. And what's really crazy is, and you can find all this stuff on YouTube. They open it with, uh, I guess that would have been Joel Crager doing the announcement at that point. That's right. At this point, uh, the, for a lot of us, that's one thing that I want to bring up. We'll probably talk a little bit more about later. The, the voice of ABC and the voice of this entire uh, movie uh, series was Joel Crager up until the, the early 1980s, at which point Ernie Anderson took it over. Right. And it's Ernie Anderson's voice that I remember best. Of course, for, yeah. For several reasons, one of which we'll talk about later. So it was probably Crager doing the one you're talking about at that point, yeah. Okay. So, yeah, well, if you, uh, like I say, track it down, it's incredibly amusing because what it says is uh, they basically talk about – and I'm not joking here. I swear it says something along the lines of a new James Bond adventure. Mm-hmm. Like they, they literally make it sound like it's this new thing you've never seen before. Now, whether or not they're saying because of their re-edit, I'm not sure. But uh, not to dwell on this too much, but if you go and find it, uh, it is worth checking out because what they did is they re-edited huge chunks of the movie, spread it out over two nights, which it definitely didn't need to be spread out over two nights, mm-hmm. and uh, and they added this piss-poor narration <laughs> of a guy who doesn't even – he's not even trying to sound like George Lazenby. He's just like, I'm James Bond. <laughs> It's just the strangest thing. And he narrates these little bits and pieces, introduces scenes completely out of context, out of order. And as a result of this horrific re-edit, a lot of people had a really sour and bitter taste in their mouth over that film. Mm -hmm. And I'm one of them. I have to admit, for the longest time, my only exposure to that movie had been that particular airing. And it wasn't until some years later that I actually sat down probably rented the VHS tape from, you know, my local video rental place, sat down, watched the movie and realized that it's actually a very, very strong entry in the James Bond, Bond franchise. But um, worth checking out. It's uh, it's really bizarre. And and it's kind of um, – it's somewhat shrouded in mystery as to how this whole thing happened. I mean I did poke around online and I just didn't so find did a lot of stuff. So yeah. did I. And not, not something that seemed readily you know, available to figure out exactly why the decision was made to do it with that movie. I don't know if it had anything to do with the fact that it was obviously probably one of the more sensitive films in terms of where the story leads. But I don't see why that would have anything to do with cutting it up. Mm-mm. Um but of course, like you say, like for you, a lot of this nostalgically is tied to Bond, and that's the thing that actually is one of the linchpins of this whole thing for a lot of people. In that, that was quite a licensing deal they had. They had all of the Bond movies lined up one after the other, and it was only when things changed with the advent of cable mm-hmm. and the change in our entire culture as a result of cable. Where Turner and all the like TNT and TBS and the, all their stations start writing the Bond stuff, that it shifted over. ABC was your destination on television for Bond, and it and yeah. actually I said destination. That goes back to another thing you said right at the beginning that I think is really important, which is, and and this is not to, not to be ageist in any way. I mean, like you know, if you're a younger person listening to this, it's just inevitable. There is a completely different perception of how you experience pop culture and media and television 
in the era we're talking about because we're talking about the end of the era in which you knew that if you sat down to watch the ABC Sunday night movie, millions upon millions of people across the country were also watching it at the same exact time. Oh, yeah. the, the scale of how many people were watching a single event on television would be completely transformed in a few years by cable and by the slow splitting up and from what was only a few channels to hundreds upon hundreds. And then, of course, by the time the Internet and online comes along, that world is completely over. But mm -hmm. in this time period, you're talking about, oh, Superman's debuting with a two-part event. You know, their their numbers are through the roof. Everybody's watching this. This is the thing everybody's tuning into that night. And you just – yeah. You just don't have that anymore. The um the Wikipedia page, uh, I don't know if you took a look at it. They had some of the ratings posted. Oh, okay. Uh, I'm sure that if somebody sits down, they could fill in all the caps. But the first one on the list is from 1976, and it's a screen an airing of Jeremiah Johnson. <laughs> okay. So you yeah. know, not yeah, not a huge movie by any stretch. Yeah. The rating on that was 37.5 million. Sure, but then again, if you go back to 76 and look at what other things are going on on all the big networks, you know. That might even be smaller compared to what I, you know, yeah. I mean, it's just a completely different world as far as yeah. the, the numbers you're getting and the number of people who are all experiencing it at the same time. And there's that that part of it that I think factors in in the grander sense, since we were talking about this being part of us wanting to delve into aspects of retro television and things we remember from experiencing television back then that are common to any of those kind of topics, which is there's a communal quality to all of it that you knew that when you were tuning into something, when it was appointment television, you knew that you were sharing an experience. I mean, like people actually talk all about social networking now and everybody being online all the time. And people also who are sadly misinformed about how this stuff works, arguing and moaning about how people are less social now when really they're, more social they're just differently social there was an example of that kind of thing happening on television back then you weren't communicating with one another or tweeting to each other but you knew that all the millions were out there you mm -hmm. knew that everybody was experiencing it at exactly the same time and there was something kind of nice about that i mean it was like oh, yeah. it was a special thing and like he was bringing the country together like tonight's the biggest event on television and we're all in front of the screen watching it well, I mean, I said that earlier that I, I I remember going into school that the following Monday and talking with my friends about Star Trek, mm -hmm. about Star Trek Two and and the additional scenes, and of course having I'm you know one of the friends saying, oh, I've I've seen those scenes before, <laughs> and it's like, no, you haven't. No one did. The world just saw <laughs> the them world for the just, first time. The world just saw it. <laughs> But the, no, I mean, yeah. I mean, They've been kept in an ice that. cavern until the very moment that ABC <laughs> chose. To and of course, if you know, if you were, um, you know, it was it was Sunday night. If you were out having dinner, a late dinner, or you were out with your folks somewhere, and if you missed that, you know, if you missed the first half hour, hour, you were hosed. There was no oh, yeah. rewinding the DVR. There was none of that kind of stuff, unless you set your your beta, or your VHS up, and not a lot of houses had that early on. No. Um, that was it. Yeah. You weren't going to see that again. And that's one of the things that's also, well, you mentioned looking up the Honor Majesty Secret Service on YouTube. One of the things that seems to have also really grown over the last few years alone is just how much, uh, ABC Sunday movie special stuff is now on YouTube. People posting virtually every open 
from every one of them. So you can listen to the same. And, and that, that period of time from roughly the early 80s until around the mid 80s when they used the distinctive opening that most of us are probably seeing and hearing in our heads, if you remember it all, which I'm sure we'll be hearing at some point in this episode. Um, the distinctive star tunnel opening that was the opening for it during that time period. Longtime fans of two bionic shows discuss an episode in detail every two weeks. Cyborgs, a bionic podcast. Find us at chronicrift.com slash cyborgs or subscribe on iTunes. So when you were talking about things like missing the beginning or being out and missing it, being there to see that opening was part of the whole experience. It was one of the most distinctive and most dramatic and it just got your blood flowing and you were excited to see what the movie was. There's a lot of times now where we look back at things nostalgically, no matter what era you grew up in, and it's so easy to say, ah, oh, they don't do like that anymore. But there are a lot of things where that's true. And one thing that really has been lost a lot has been television bringing you into an experience with some sort of title sequence or extended thing. Title sequences in general have died a, a pretty slow, agonizing death over the years as more and more mm -hmm. advertising has encroached on their time. And there are very few shows left that actually make use of any kind of – Mad Men is actually one of the first shows I can think of off the top of my head that still uses a title sequence that actually goes longer than a few seconds. And that ABC Sunday Night Movie thing was – it was like it was transporting you. And then once it hit with the voiceover, which for me, again, Ernie Anderson is the voice I'm hearing all the time. You tonight. Know, tonight, <laughs> you know. And and then, like, you know, whatever it is, either the John Williams Superman theme blaring out or Jerry Goldsmith's Star Trek The Motion Picture, you know, for the first time on network television. And it's like – Or the James yeah, Bond theme. Yeah, or the James Bond theme. Bond this back. <laughs> it's just like, my God, this is awesome. This is the yeah. greatest thing ever. I was going to say it's interesting too because uh, they when they ran Raiders of the Lost Ark, oh, right. they they dumped the ABC theme, still showed the graphics, but they ran the Raiders of the Lost Ark. Theme That's right over the top of it, which is strange. But boy, would did that get your blood going? <laughs> An ABC premiere presentation. Do you realize what the art is? It's a transmitter for speaking to God. Remember, this is the film that stopped you cold. From Lucas and Spielberg, a spectacular visual adventure. Jones! Adios, senor. Karen Allen, Harrison Ford. Trust me. Raiders of the Lost Ark, next. That's interesting too, because it's, uh, it's they're weird variations. And if you actually delve into it, here's something that when we were looking up some stuff about this, um, I didn't even know. 
I, I'm sure I probably saw it at the time, but just recently, completely separate from this, and and uh, in the, as we're recording this, we're we're in the the summer of um, July of 2013, and Man of Steel was out a little while ago, and I was doing a lot of stuff related to looking at Superman past and present, and uh, Cable's been running Superman one, two, and three. Wisely chose not to rerun four. <laughs> Although some people would question even three, and and some people would question even two, and those people I would have to send out of my house. But um, they're running one, two, and three over and over again, and I've been watching them. And frankly, there's a lot of three that I like. Uh, There's a lot of three that's desperately wrong, but there's still a lot of three I like. Mainly the fact that I think the the relationship between him and Lana Lang is the romance of the movie series and the one that's great to end on. But what I didn't know was – until delving into this stuff was that when ABC debuted Superman 3, they created a completely unique title sequence that ran only on the ABC movie airing of the film that replaced the opening of the film with a title sequence that looked more in sync with the blue lettering and star fields of the first two films. And if anybody remembers, Superman 3, which was Richard Lester's second outing, having been given the rearranged version of Superman 2 and and basically uh, stepping in when Donner was taken out of that. Superman 3 is is desperately over the top with a sort of comedy that's Lester's stock in trade but doesn't quite mesh with the world of Superman. And the entire title sequence and opening of Superman 3 is this bizarre pantomime comedy of errors taking place throughout the streets of Metropolis. ABC in what seems to be a show of, I don't know, Genius (laughs) Genius <laughs> decided to step away from that, or at least uh, lessen the impact of that, and instead created a dramatic John Williams score opening to Superman three that has the original style credits and everything on it. And I did not remember that at all. It's and that also is available on YouTube for you to check out and see the ABC, the unique ABC opening to Superman 3. So the thing is, we talk about the Honor Majesty's Secret Service one, which is clearly an example of the network meddling to the point of ruining an experience of a film. And yet Superman 3 sounds like one where it's perhaps slight improvement at mm-hmm. the beginning of the movie. Um, but there are these weird variations throughout, too. They didn't do that that often. Maybe they edited for content oh, sure. and for language. I mean, but We always saw the edited for television you know, logo. Right. The little... Chiron on the bottom of the screen That's or something, right. and which kind of bummed you out a lot. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. I was reading somewhere they were talking about how they used to do the the Sunday movie specials, right? Um, right. And uh, I had read that when they aired Patton, uh, which which I guess they started at nine p.m. Mm-hmm. for that one, right? And a lot of the the profanity was was uh, was kept was left like in. they didn't they yeah they left it yeah. in. Um, I guess certain films would would be allowed to do that. Now, it's kind of like I, I remember years years ago when they aired. Um, well, I know. I mean, just carrying on. This is sort of straying from the whole Sunday night movie thing, but I think they've done that with things like Schindler's List. Sure. I think they aired unedited, and uh, and Saving Private Ryan. I remember when they did that on network television. Sure. And it was uncut. Well, it's still but, relevant because it still speaks to a certain kind of approach to presenting movies on television that for the most part, doesn't exist anymore, but still turns up from time to time. I mean, the fact is people are just not turning to the classic broadcast networks to see a film. 
or to see the debut of a film. You're, you're watching it on Netflix or you're getting it illegally somehow or you're getting the DVD. But for us, the ABC Sunday night movie, the ABC Sunday movie special, whatever that was, that was your first shot. Like I said, sometimes first time of even seeing a movie like with you. And on mm-hmm. Majesty's Secret Service before even seeing it at all in any other form, or at the very least, your first chance of seeing a movie after you'd seen it in the theaters. That was it. Oh, yeah. I mean, and you'd always get that for the first time on television. First time on television, which is just, again, it's like those thrilling moments where you think, oh, my God, I can't believe I'm getting to sit in my own home <laughs> and watch Star Trek Two. This is amazing. And uh, Yeah, go ahead. No, I mean, it's just it's it's impossible to capture that. And explain how just prior to videotape, just prior to cable, how special and how exciting that was. Yeah. I was going to slide back a little bit to when you were talking about how that, you know, their opening made it an event. Mm -hmm. And it's funny for me because I had to make sure I was there when the ads or the credits of the previous program <laughs> were still running so i could be there when it would dip to black right and then start out with the you know the theme music and everything like like you said it was you had to be there for the whole thing it was a package sure. and you definitely wanted to see the teaser oh yeah because that would really get you all fired up oh, and yeah. excited when they would say you know tonight on a- on abc and you'd see the 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 trailer that they would cut right effectively. right that's another thing because before the film actually started, but after the Star Tunnel opening or whatever opening there was, there were several, but the Star Tunnel one's the one I think most of us remember best of all. After that and before the movie actually started, you'd get the narrated voiceover unique trailer that they'd actually cut together. You know, and, and those were, I mean, again, that's totally unique and special to that. Airing and and again, you can see tons of those on YouTube, of course, because people have posted so many of these things. I didn't even remember one of my all-time favorite horror movies ever. I'm sure we'll talk about it someday. Is John Carpenter's The Fog, and I just found on YouTube the ABC Sunday Night Movie opening oh, to that's The Fog. Hilarious. And I don't remember The Fog ever airing, but I'm sure I must have seen it. I don't remember them airing horror movies. Yeah. I would have thought that would have been taboo. And they had the fog on. Go check it out. It's, Although, it, you know what? It's, well, it was really something. I'm sure Halloween was on too, but I, I did not remember that. And I know I saw, I know when I was growing up, I saw somewhere there must have been a, a, uh, a primetime network airing or screening of, um, the Exorcist, which obviously oh, would sure. have been heavily edited. Sure. But I don't remember if it was an ABC Sunday night movie or somewhere else. It could have been. Tonight. ABC premiere presentation from the creator of Halloween. What you can't see can kill you. Adrian Barbeau, Jamie Lee Curtis, beware of They were, I mean, they obviously they weren't in a vacuum here. There were other other networks airing oh, movies. Oh, and that does bring up something else that I really wanted to tell this story because uh, while we were getting ready for this, I was looking up a lot about this because this is one of those – there are things – I know we've talked about this in the past uh, off mic about a lot of different things, but there are things in your childhood where you remember, and, and it's also, I think, part of the magic of – Growing up at that time of television where unless you, you know, threw in an audio tape or 
tried to capture it in some way, it, you know, goes away and is gone. And the problem with that is a lot of things just exist in your memory until they come back. There are movies that I remember seeing on television that took like decades before I even was able to find out what the title was or mm-hmm. what it was that I had seen. And there have been things over the years that I remember from childhood that I had almost convinced myself that I was wrong about because <laughs> I, it had been so long and it wasn't around. And this was one of them. And I thought that this dovetailed with this. I only just recently, when we were preparing to do this, found out this was one example of a movie that did not air on the ABC Sunday night movie. It is exactly the same kind of situation, but it was one of the rare occasions. ABC really seemed to have cornered the market on all the big blockbuster films. They had the Star Trek. They had Superman. They had Bond. But NBC also had one that they referred to as their big event. It was the Sunday big event. And while it never seemed to develop the same kind of nostalgic uh, attention or, or energy that the ABC one has, that's the one where I saw King Kong, the 1976 King Kong. I'd remembered hmm. seeing it as an ABC Sunday night movie because it just seemed like that's what it would have been. But it wasn't. It was also a two-part premiere that NBC did in exactly the same style as ABC. And when NBC aired King Kong in their two-parter, and I know a lot of people have problems with the 76 King Kong. I have problems with the 76 King Kong, but it'll always be special to me anyway because it's a childhood movie. There's a lot about that movie I still give a pass. Yes, the original is one of the all-time greatest films ever made. doesn't matter about genre. But I still love the 76 King Kong for a lot of reasons. But they showed a two-part version of it with 45 extra minutes of footage thrown back in. Hmm. That To this day, most of it has never been seen again. Uh, I don't think it's on any of the DVDs. And the thing that drove me crazy for years was there's a scene, and uh, it's it's a 1976 movie, so if you're going to bitch about spoilers, now go away. (laughs) I don't have time for people like you. There's a scene where Charles Grodin's (laughs) character is killed by Kong late in the movie, and Mm -hmm. Kong steps on him. And it is so satisfying because he's he's a dick throughout the whole movie. Yeah. And he steps on him. Now, every single time I see that movie now on television, on cable, supposedly uncut, or anywhere else, there's a scene where Groden looks up screaming and Kong steps down. You get this close-up of the mock-up foot uh, that I think is the full-scale foot. And then it, like, lingers strangely, like something else is going to happen. Like, they cut too long. And then it just cuts. And all my life, I remembered seeing the foot lift off and seeing Groden's hat on the ground, implying that he'd driven him into the ground like a nail, (laughs) except that I never saw that hat again. It's not on the DVD. It's not on television. It's not on any cable showing you see. And I just recently discovered it was on the two-part TV network premiere. Wow. That's one of the brief bits that was added back in, along with a lot of character stuff that I don't remember. I just remember the hat. But that was not an ABC one. I always thought that was ABC, and that was one of the rare occasions, evidently, where NBC got the big movie, and it was the NBC Sunday big event. How funny. Yeah, so there are all these weird bits and pieces, too, of like pop culture memory that are wrapped up in these network airings of movies that sometimes still haven't seen the light of day. None of this extra footage. I mean, some of these movies have. You can certainly get the stuff from Superman and Star Trek 2. 
But some of them are are lost, and some like the special Superman three opening or on Her Majesty's Secret Service, they were unique to the network airing, and you don't see them ever. Well, and for the on Her Majesty's Secret Service, that's a good thing. Trust me. Well, yeah, but it'd be, it be it would be kind of interesting for to see it though. yeah for interest. I mean, it's, yeah, it's definitely. But you can go. You can you can find all that stuff on YouTube. Yeah, thank goodness. So. That's true. <laughs> Escape from Alcatraz. Tonight's ABC Sunday Night Movie. We'll continue in a moment. Do you like movies? Well, let me make you an offer that you can't refuse. Have you ever found yourself standing at the local Cineplex with that smell of freshly buttered popcorn wafting through your nostrils, wondering if that new Hugh Jackman movie is really worth your time? Or have you ever lamented about that time you spent scouring the vast expanse of the internet for movie and DVD release dates when, let's be honest, you'd rather be leveling up your troll hunter, working on the great American novel, or even watching kitten videos? Oh yes, I said kitten videos. I will do the work for you. All I ask is 15 to 30 minutes of your time every Tuesday. My name is Michael Faulkner, and every Tuesday is showtime at the Weekly Plex, your audio guide to what's new at the box office, how the top ten fared over the weekend, and what's coming to your home theater on DVD and Blu-ray. You can find the Weekly Plex on the Chronic Rift Network at www.chronicrift.com, along with a plethora of other podcasts that explore the culture in pop culture. The Weekly Plex, brought to you by the Chronic Rift. Thanks for listening. We'll see you at the theater. That's a wrap. Did uh, I'm just curious. I don't know if you found out anything about this, but do you know who, if it was ABC fam, uh, Sunday Night Movie rather, if they uh, showed Star Wars? I did not see anything about that, and uh, I didn't look specifically about Star okay. Wars because that would be a whole other topic so i wasn't really thinking about i do i mean obviously i remember at the time how much any of us who were into star wars how long a wait it was before they even agreed to let things happen you know television videotape remember how long it took before anything actually got released on videotape i remember Mm -hmm. as a kid somebody in class i don't know how the hell they got it got some kind of really horrific camera copy of empire strikes back on a videotape that was like looking through three different screens of snow and, <laughs> and every three seconds it would warp into like <laughs> incomprehensible stuff. And I, re- and I can vividly recall the scene at the beginning with Chewie faking out the, the probe robot or whatever it was on Hoth and watching it with the, the whole image warping from white to purple and thinking, this is awesome. <laughs> this is the greatest thing ever. I, I actually, I'll admit, at the time I uh, I had a copy of Return of the Jedi uh, that was like that. Yeah, it was pretty pretty rough. But at the time, of course, that's all you could get. But uh, that's drifting from yeah, that's ABC it. Sunday. But yeah, no, I don't. I don't we could talk bootlegs some other time. <laughs> that's a whole other show. Tonight, a special presentation of the ABC Sunday Night Movie from the creators of the Star Wars saga. A world premiere presentation. A bold adventure of courage and daring. Your heroes become legends, and the only thing you can be sure of is magic. Lucasfilms The Ewok Adventure. Brought to you by Huggies, the diapers that help stop leaking. Getting back to something else, 
one of the reasons why this topic has come up for us and, and certainly one of the, one of the things that for me is one of the most special things about it is that the ABC Sunday movie special, the version that you referred to earlier where they would do, they would occasionally retitle the Sunday night movie, the Sunday movie special. And usually it would be a significantly long running night. They'd started earlier. They'd started at like seven. Mm-hmm. So they could try to hit local television news at around 11 o'clock. And to this day, I think it may be the only one that's still standing that ABC still runs every year is the Ten Commandments. Yeah, it was. I was just going to say it had to have been the Ten Commandments. But they did several others under that umbrella. If you look it up in different places like Wikipedia and IMDb, they'll they'll list some like Bridge on the River Kwai or Oliver, some of them. Usually they're like – Bridge on the River Kwai, not so much, but like usually they were like um, – Family friendly or religious or holiday based, something like that. But mm-hmm. the one that I think is still like the towering icon of the whole thing is the Ten Commandments. And for me personally, not because of any like strong religious uh, background, but just because of family background and growing up watching that movie every Passover. And I know for a lot of people, it's, it, I mean, it was time to also be the Easter film. So for anybody, Regardless of background, you were watching that at that time of year every year. It's one of my favorite movies. It's deeply nostalgic and and emotional for me. As an adult and delving into movies the way we all do, there's so much that you can have fun with in the Ten Commandments. It's cheesy. It's you know, there's so much about it that yes, you look at it with a different eye. But I I'm happy that I can still sit and watch that and see it the way I saw it as a kid. And about that, it only makes sense to me, even though I have the DVD, I always feel heartbroken if I don't catch it on when it's on it. <laughs> and it doesn't have the opening anymore that it used to have. And Ernie Anderson isn't introducing it, but I did grab that clip from YouTube as soon as I saw somebody put it up because that one I wanted to keep. Oh, it's yeah, tonight, you know, it's a, a legendary <laughs> story, you know, built for the whole family, the Ten Commandments. And the thing that and the thing also got me was and this used to drive me nuts for years. It was one of the ones that I remember had this weird opening. And it was, again, a thing where I couldn't rem- I, I, I was wondering after all, did I remember it? I actually recently found an old VHS videotape in my parents' house where we taped the Ten Commandments off television and caught this opening that I had almost convinced myself that I was making up in my head. Where years ago, this would have been the mid-80s, when the ABC Sunday movie special ran Ten Commandments, they'd have the opening, they'd do the little teaser bit, Ernie Anderson would introduce it, and then the screen would go blue and text would run on the screen. And I I should have had the whole thing right in front of me since we're recording this tonight, but I don't. But but paraphrase it, it had like an opening that said, tonight's film tells the story of Moses who brings the Jews out of Egypt. Uh, it, it details a story from the Bible. It's this whole explanation of it for some reason. Hmm. And then the the thing that always drove me nuts was that little crawl ends with, Anderson and the crawl itself saying the first part deals with the, the the early years of Moses living in the Pharaoh's palace, blah, 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 and setting up the first part. Now, by referring to the first part, I always thought that that implied the voiceover in this crawl is going to come back later in the night 
and say, now the second part. Oh, yeah. sure. I mean, it sounds like an opening that's setting you up for we're splitting this up into pieces. Mm-hmm. The crawl and the voiceover never came back. <laughs> it runs in the one night. It wasn't a two-parter because they would run it starting at seven and run it for the night. That was the whole point of it being special. And they never interrupted again. The only thing that would ever happen was it also got special bumpers. So, like, because another thing we haven't mentioned is whenever you watch the ABC Sunday movie, Sunday night movie, which, again, is one of those things that's fading as people don't watch television anymore in the same way. Every time they'd go to commercial, you'd get a little burst of the, the music again. Mm-hmm. ABC Sunday night movie, we'll be right back and, and then yeah. bring back. The Ten Commandments one always had special bumpers with the shot of the sky and the sun from the movie and the sound of the, the title theme. And the voiceover saying the Ten Commandments will return. And they never came back to that crawl or that intro. I can never understand why was the intro there? Why did they feel they needed to tell me what the story I'm about to watch is actually about? And then why tell me here's what the first part is going to be. The rest of it, you're on your own. Never mind. You know, I wonder if they did if they built that for time reasons. I wonder. And then maybe they did build additional ones, but just it just didn't make sense to insert them but they figured well you know that times out nicely if we have that at the top and we'll just leave it as it is and you know what there could be uh, related to that there could be another explanation it could just be considering that we're talking about we're growing up in the 70s and 80s maybe that's something that was a legacy of earlier versions of it that used to air maybe there was other stuff to that that they used to air that then just got chopped down over the years Mm-hmm. In yeah. fact, if anybody's listening to this and has an answer, <laughs> I, would, I would love to know if you know, particularly if you're somebody that watched it going back into the 70s and earlier, maybe there's something to this that I just didn't get because I was watching it at that point. Maybe they chopped it out, but I'd love to know if there's more to that. And that's contact at gwpodcast.com. That's right to us. That's right. <laughs> or just say um, hi. Or just say hello. Uh, the other thing I was going to mention too that, uh, uh, we have definitely lost, especially over the last couple of years that, uh, I think younger audiences really have no concept of anymore is that all the movies that aired on the ABC Sunday night movie were pan and scan. Pan and scan. That's right. So they were, so they could fit four by three old television screens. So yeah, if you never really, if you didn't grow up with pan and scan, um, Consider yourself lucky. <laughs> and uh, for those of you who don't know what it is, basically, obviously, they couldn't show a widescreen image on a 4 by 3 ratio well, they could, TV. Well, they could have. They well, they could, but they would throw the big black bars at the yeah. top. And it would be, and oftentimes it would be, I mean, once in a while, I don't know if it was local markets or, I, I remember seeing some widescreen films, like they would show, you know, It's a Mad, 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 Mad One World. One of the only something. ones that would, yeah, uh, How the West Was One. Oh, How the West They'd Was One, of course. And and one of the only other ones up until the point where letterboxing finally started to gain favor enough for them to do it would have been Manhattan because Woody Allen had a specific uh, contract that any showing of Manhattan had to show it. Uh, oh, wow. In, in I didn't letterbox, know that. Yeah, it was a requirement. So if Manhattan aired on television, they'd have to do it that way. Hmm. But yeah, that. you were going to say, though, about how Pan and Scan works. Yeah, I mean, basically that's all it was. It was just, uh, they obviously couldn't, well, for the most part, they wouldn't show uh, a letterbox film. They wouldn't show a widescreen movie on your TV. So instead, they would move the image 
uh, around on your screen so that if somebody was talking on the left or on the right, if they would have been clipped out by doing this, this, this cut, uh, they would actually have to move the image over to show that one guy talking or slide it over to show another guy talking or oftentimes show you a lamp in the middle of the screen and you'd hear voices off camera because they were the two extremes on the left and right and they weren't able to That's actually right. show them. So they would have a lot of really strangely framed scenes, which again, in a weird way, almost made the experience of watching some of these movies different because if you had seen it on the big screen prior to its TV airing, uh, you had seen stuff right. that you weren't seeing on TV. Right. So that even felt like it was new. And it, it's, if that makes sense, it's like it wasn't new, but it what it really did. It felt like I was watching something that was slightly different. And the reverse from or the reverse, the reverse yeah. for me often was all the years as VHS and as cable came in, the shocking revelation of seeing movies that I had only ever seen on television suddenly finally getting to see them not only uncut but letterboxed and being blown away by how much I had missed mm-hmm. because they chopped it to pieces. And the thing is you kind of knew that, but you didn't really acknowledge it until you saw. And you think, oh, my God, of course, the whole half of the screen is missing. <laughs> and And the other weird thing is that there are multiple versions of pan and scan movies yeah. because local stations, different stations would often – edit and pan and scan the films differently. So -hmm. if you saw a movie on two different networks, for instance, you might see the conversation where somebody had wisely chosen to at least cut it in a way where the slivers of both faces are in it, while on another (laughs) station, somebody decided to stay with the one guy on the one side. So, yeah, I mean, it's completely different. And I I remember whole movies that – I remember one thing in particular, and it's interesting, it's also Woody Allen. I I love – uh, a lot of the, it's the the joke for Woody Allen fans too. His earlier funnier films, but um, <laughs> uh, Love and Death, um, one of his seventies movies, which is brilliant. And and there's a scene in that where it's this long dialogue scene between Napoleon in this scene and and one of his guys, and they're they're planning things. And I saw that movie for years, and always had a weird feeling during that scene about boy, this is a dialogue scene that goes on for a long time without much of anything funny or a payoff to it and then years and years later finally saw it uncut and letterboxed and saw that in that scene there are two characters that you'd seen in the previous scene who actually go out go into the background while the foreground conversation is taking place and are having a fight in the back their entire conversation degenerates into wrestling one another and that's the joke in the background of the scene. But it's on the far end of the screen. And on the pan and scan version on television, they just chop that off completely. Right. So the entire purpose of the scene is gone. <laughs> and that gives you a good example, actually, of the whole pan and scan thing of watching these movies. And plot points, entire purposes for scenes could mm-hmm. be chopped out by some editor at the TV station going, oh, I'll stick to the left side. <laughs> That'll be where we go. And it, I used to love when it would do this very unnatural shift, yeah. you know, across the screen to go and, and focus on some other aspect that was, you know, maybe to your right or to your left. Yeah. It, it always felt weird and out of place. And, yeah, because it's not a camera pan, so you it's know not a it doesn't pan, yeah. feel right. Yeah. <laughs> I remember seeing Planet of the Apes that way, and there's a scene at the end where uh, Taylor's talking. Is this a spoiler alert? No, no, it isn't. Um, spoiler. Statue of Liberty. He's on Earth. Anyway, so what? 
Rosebud was a sled, where uh, Taylor is talking across a chasm to Cornelius, and it's such a widescreen shot. I mean, that's the other thing, oh, yeah. too. It's like the you, you really like when you love movies, too, and you see like uh, Martin Scorsese and all these guys go on Turner Classic Movies and talk about how important letterboxing is. It's like that's composition. That's a, It's about creating a mood and a style and storytelling with the scope of that shot. And, and you can only see the two of them at the far ends of the letterboxed image. There was no way that was going to work on television. So on television, they just do a hard cut. You know, as soon as one of them is talking, they cut to the other side. Oh, and and it's just like, you know, it, it's the, it works, the rhythm. The rhythm's different though. Yeah. You know, it, it changes the whole experience. Hmm. But that's part of what it, what it was like, kids, when we'd watch. <laughs> When we'd watch the films. When we'd watch the movies on the, the television. the films, what were on television at the time. <laughs> it wasn't like what you have now. That's the. Yeah, apologies to our, our younger listeners who just listened to a show that made no sense whatsoever. I don't understand what it meant. Why didn't they just go on their iPad and get the. Yeah. Well, we couldn't. The iPad. Didn't you have on demand? We. On demand was be in front of your television. <laughs> they demand that you be in front of your television and your television be on. Yeah. And, and make sure that you adjust the antenna because that night might oh, not God. be a great night. It'll get snowy. Yeah. Well, we, I mean, when I grew up or where I grew up, rather, we actually didn't get cable even in our neighborhood until I was a teenager. Hmm. So I did not grow up with that luxury, my friend. It was all over the air broadcast. I remember us getting, well, this is a whole other show. We could talk about that. I, I do remember getting cable around 1980, 81, something around there. Um, so yeah. And around the same time, we got our first video recorder. Mm-hmm. Panasonic video recorder. One of those big, huge, made a burning smell when you'd run. <laughs> I knew it was working because the whole place smelled like something was burning. It was just. <laughs> we were a beta house. See, that's, um, that's weird. This is, that's yeah. one area where you and I just do not meet. We were, we were a VHS home. I'm sorry. Yeah. We definitely went for beta. But beta and, uh, was the superior technology according. It was. Yeah. yeah. It, uh, it did have a better picture. You'd record in beta, beta two, which was, uh, yeah. you know, the... and didn't the industry itself, itself stick with beta for many years after beta really was fate? Oh, yeah. 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 I mean, uh, when I was working in television, when I was working for Warner Brothers, we had a couple of formats of beta. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a, an analog version. Um, and then there was also the digi beta and digi beta in some studios is still used. But the format, when you hold the tape in your hand, it is the size and shape of a beta cassette. That's really cool. Um, so, yeah, there's there are reasons that stuck around. But, yeah, we were a beta ho- household. And I'll never forget, and this, of course, does link to ABC Sunday Night Movies in some way, uh, my parents did buy me a beta machine for one, one Christmas. Mm, okay. So I was able to have one in my bedroom. And I, re- I would record ABC Sunday Night Movies. We'll return after these messages. Hi, I'm Keith Ari DeCandido, international best-selling and award-winning author of over 40 novels, as well as comic books, short stories, novellas, and more. I'm also an editor, currently hiring out through Creditorial, a musician, currently percussionist for the Boogie Nights, and a whole lot more. Hear me talk about my writing and my life, and also do readings for my work, on my twice-monthly podcast, Dead Kitchen Radio, part of the Chronic Rift Network. For more information, go to chronicrift.com or to deadkitchenradio.mevio.com.
Oh, you know, I also, there's something else I almost forgot to bring up that is directly relevant too. It, it didn't run under the ABC Sunday night movie banner, but I didn't realize that it basically ties into the same. When I say, I'm about to say program, I don't mean an individual show, but I mean the, the ongoing program of showing the films on the network. Obviously, ABC had this structure. They had their Sunday night movie. They would switch to the special when they were doing the big three-hour, usually, uh, holiday showing of something like Ten Commandments. They occasionally had other nights where they'd run something, either Tuesday or Wednesday. Sometimes Friday, they'd do like a movie of the week, and they did that. And at different times in the life cycle of this whole thing, they'd occasionally have other things, like ABC Wednesday night movie. But what I didn't really know was that technically under this whole banner, they would also use it for much more controversial or um, confrontational films, in which case they'd usually use something like ABC Theater. And, oh, and I, that's the day after. And the day after, which is yeah, one of the ones I certainly remember vividly, was an ABC Theater event. And that was 1983, so it's right in the middle of a lot of the ABC Sunday Night Movie stuff we're talking about. Okay. Was they ran the day after under the ABC Theater banner. And that was, of course, again, I actually used that. I, I, I taught a class a short while ago. We did uh, apocalyptic and post-apocalyptic storytelling in media. And I showed a class of college students today some clips from day after. And one of the things I often discover in these classes is how stuff just does not age well. And and yeah. I'm not joking about that at all. It's just true. You know, it just doesn't even if it's down to even like effects, there are things where, you know, and 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 it's not it's not anything against someone who's younger now or someone older. It's just that the aesthetics are different. They're used mm-hmm. to a different pace of storytelling, a different kind of approach. And sometimes it's hard to sell a class on the idea that like, look, this was meaningful and important and devastating but they're laughing at it because it looks silly i showed some clips from day after and got silence in the room Hmm. Uh, i showed the clip that was the moment where the bombs hit and you start seeing everybody vaporizing and the skeletons and everything and there was a couple initial uh giggles at what looked like some stock footage stuff they were using for some of the destruction yeah but as soon as you saw people going down and and kids that was the other thing still something in our culture that feels like a taboo when you see children get affected by something and and you saw like families dying and day after the whole class went silent hmm. and i mean in a dramatic and and positive way in the sense that it still worked it still had that impact and there's no way of communicating really how much of an impact that movie had at the time um certainly I remember that didn't they have one the night I think they had a phone number you could call that if oh, you, did they? I think they were actually running a phone number that if you were too shaken by it that you could call for for uh like counseling or something. I I know they did something maybe it was after when the feedback started coming in but it was it was it was just devastating. <laughs> I mean, and particularly, I remember most of all that at the end of the movie, where everything is at its worst, the text comes up and says something like, what you've just watched is like the 
barest minimum of what would happen. Yeah. <laughs> it's like we we sugarcoated this one for you. It would be a thousand times worse. And we're all sitting at home in the dark with the TV off curled up in a fetal position. <laughs> so good night, kids. But it's funny because for me, and maybe this was the Anglophile in me, when I was around that around that time, it wasn't long after that I saw Threads. Yes. And and of course we can go into another that'll be another show somewhere down the line if we do an apocalyptic you know sure. episode. Oh yeah. But so at that time I saw Threads, which of course is a lot worse. Yeah. Yeah. Than the day after in a lot of ways. Yeah. And I always told people that the day after was kind of cheesy compared to Threads, and this is me at like fourteen. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, absolutely. and saying, "Oh no, you should see threads. Threads is better. <laughs> threads will destroy you <laughs> if you if you were disturbed by it the day after. The day after is like Disney's version of the apocalypse. <laughs> but yeah, it was it was just you know it was and I and I only recently after all these years revisited it in order to use it as material. But watching it again, it put me back in that time. And yeah, there there is a lot of stuff about it that's kind of cheesy, and and you can see it easily now. But I also was looking at it and thinking, wow, it's just there's very little that you see them do on television today that quite tries to hit you full in the face with the impact of something as that did. And again, it also has a lot to do with what we talked about earlier: the fact that so many people were united in the single cause that night of tuning yeah. in and watching it. Well, we discussed it in school, if I remember correctly. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that was that, that's a funny thing right in itself, that, you know, it was such a big event that you could go into school and pretty much if a teacher said, did everybody watch the day after last night, every hand went up. Right. And so it became a topic of conversation. So we would, you know, we discussed it in school. And I imagine this was going on in schools across the country. I I can't remember if we did. I can't imagine that it didn't come up, but I don't remember. Um, well, I mean, it had you know, to have. It had to have because we were all seeing it, and it was, it was. I I've I've told many classes over the years that one of my vivid memories of growing up in the early 80s was having recurring nightmares of looking outside our living room window and seeing the sky turn red mm-hmm. and it's just like that's just part of what you know like people who grew up in the first cold war have their stories and it's like in the 80s if you were immersed in that or i don't know just more sensitive to it i don't know but that, that was one of my recurring nightmares all the time the day after just i <laughs> i think it just completely ruined me for days after <laughs> Uh, well, I think we're kind of straying from our uh, our topic. Yeah, a no, bit. I know that was links, but but uh, anyway, that I, aired on ABC. So yeah, that was on ABC where we were t- discussing so much joy and happiness that was <laughs> we got out of that that uh, evening movie. But then that shows you the thing is the not not the, obviously the cheap way to try to tie it all back together, but it just shows you the scope of what ABC was doing. That under this whole banner of all these different movies, they were showing all kinds of stuff, family-related programming, big blockbuster films that were huge events for all of us getting together in front of the TV screen and watching, movies that became pop culture touchstones like The Day After that dealt with crucial elements of what was going on in the culture at the time. And it's interesting that, like we said earlier, ABC kind of cornered the market on a lot of that. But mm-hmm. it's Sunday night of the movie and its entire structure of doing these. NBC and CBS never quite had anything to the same degree that ABC really did. Uh, right. And, you know, of course, now – actually, you mentioned Disney before. ABC is now, of course, together with Disney. So they still do things like that, 
but these days with cable and the internet and everything else, there's no unifying sense of event television or anyone joining in. I think the Ten Commandments might be one of the last things where you probably still would get significant numbers of people who are tuning in that night because it's become a tradition. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the last ones. The Wizard of Oz is another movie where it still runs every year and it's yeah. become a television tradition. But there's not much of that left. And, of course, uh, it's interesting how the the ABC Sunday Night movie has remained in the consciousness uh, even up to this day, more or less, because, of course, when G4 was still a, a viable network, I don't even think it exists anymore now, does it? They were they were rebranding it. I, I can't remember. Oh, that's right. It's, I think they're going to be the Esquire channel. That's something. right. That's right. Um, but anyway, uh, up until recently, when they would run movies, they ran them as movies that don't <laughs> suck, I believe was the, uh, that's right. the their title. And uh, uh, you have to check it out because, again, go to YouTube and track this one down. Uh, their opening sequence is a very retro uh, in, and obviously inspired by uh, ABC Sunday Night Movies feel. Yes. Uh, the graphics, the announcing, even, the quality of the audio. I was and just going to say, even down to the slightly <laughs> muffled sound of the audio, it's like tinny and, <laughs> and it, I think the film's even a little scratched. And they did a really beautiful job with it. Yeah. So um, it's it's definitely it's it's affected more than just Arnold yeah. and I. It's 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 stayed with a lot of people. If nothing else, you know what the average age range is of the people who are putting together <laughs> the G4 stuff. Well, you, you know, yeah, the people who were putting it together, but they were still in a weird way. I think when that network was at its sort of at its peak, they were still trying to target like what seventeen year olds and up, and like tw- college students. Yeah, oh, yeah, absolutely. And so when they would look at that movies that don't suck. Yeah. Opening, they probably think, "What the hell is this?" They have no idea they're participating no in history. Yep, <laughs> right. Well, I think that pretty much covers uh, everything about uh, in regards to the ABC Sunday Night Movies. There's certainly lots more that you guys can uh, go out and and research yourselves. Uh, there's tons of clips, as we talked about, on YouTube. Oh, yeah. Feel free to go track down some of those. Some of them are very amusing. And do check out the Honor Majesty Secret Service stuff, even though it was a Monday night movie, but it's still worth looking at. Um, and then, of course, those promos and such, which you've heard a few uh, in this episode. But uh, apart from that, uh, Arnold, do you have any last-minute thoughts? No, just that I think that there are still occasionally times where I'm driving somewhere or I'm planning uh, to work on a project or whatever, and that start tunnel and uh, music just starts up in my head randomly. That may just be me. <laughs> that may just be some kind of uh, weird infection left over. But it's hard to get rid of that start tunnel. That's just always going to be in my memory. One of, one of the great, beautiful little childhood memories of sitting down and watching a movie on that. Absolutely. And that's it for this episode of the G2V podcast, now officially part of the Chronic Rift Network at chronicrift.com. You can also subscribe to us on iTunes, and please be sure to rate us while you're there. Visit our website at g2vpodcast.com. Join our Facebook page. Follow us on Twitter, at G2V Podcast. And if you have any questions or comments, send them our way via contact at g2vpodcast.com. 
Our show music is by Brian Boyko and Frank Nora. <laughs>